Welcome to the fifth Insurrection Podcast for the fifth episode, which is an invitation to save the world. And I have Will with me today. Hey now. Hey now. And Carrie. Hello. But we're missing Lauren. Lauren oh. was ended up being sick all night. She was up throwing up all night and is just wasted for the day and is not able. So Lauren will be back next week. We'll miss her, but uh, hopefully she'll be recovered very soon and feeling better. Feel better, Lauren. Babysitting his kids, you know. Germ factories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard. So anyway, how what'd you guys think of the episode this week? It was, I, it's so different coming off last week. You know, last week was just like balls to the wall wild. And then this week we kind of, we, we kind of, stepped it down a notch right we we downshifted a gear to kind of build some some backstory and get it get somewhere we're at yeah uh it went from at, didn't you didn't step it down it's a different kind of entertaining because i was still entertained by it and liked it but it was uh less action and more in depth more thinking deep thinking which you have to have in order to have something like this so oh, sure. i i enjoyed seeing the uh into the mind of the insurrectionist and specifically uh eli and yeah the recruiting thing is it's i liked it i did too um i think it was a good contrast you can't just escalate it to the level of the last episode <laughs> and maintain that or else it's just you know it's just garbage yeah. so this was good it's Shifted. Like an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, just bang, 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 exactly. bang. Bigger explosions every episode, but no, I liked uh, I liked the downshift. I I described this chapter as part of the slow burn of the insurrection, and not and, Bernie Sanders either. No slow burn. Okay, <laughs> and and it's kind of a like a fuse was lit right there at the end. Yeah, like you said, the recruiting. Oh yeah, so. they're still fun, right? I, oh like yeah, I, I, like, you have to throw that in that a little bit of Hollywood at the end, like where I, they take off on. The I don't mean I slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean slow at all when I say slow burn. I think it was really good. I think it's right. building building some depth behind those explosions. And we got another character that could be great to develop and delve into because I think this podcaster Jake, a lot of potential for his part of it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, when you think about it realistically, they need to have a voice in order to give people the truth, basically, their side of it, because it's never going to get that from the social, the main big media, big tech stuff. So um, it made it somewhat plausible to think like his thinking the way it had to go through and they have to have this voice and everything seemed very realistic. Well, you get you get this kind of microcosm, you get this early introduction to eli on a personal level it has to sell jake on an insurrection but he's looking at having to do that across the country so this is you know what i'm saying this is mm -hmm. that they have to win the hearts and minds of the american people what, what did you think of that i mean with an insurrection you, you got kind of a philosophical view of of eli as opposed to him just throwing old hags off the uh, railing. <laughs> I, I love that. Actually, I thought, do both. I thought uh, that's something that I had highlighted in when I read it the first time was what they're fighting for. 
fighting for the hearts and minds of the American people. I love that. Um, it really puts in perspective what the point of the whole thing is. It's not, it's not, not tangible. It's not physical territory they're fighting for. It's really the spirit of America that they're fighting for. And to remind yeah. everybody how important that is. Yeah, there was there were two things that I really, really enjoyed in this. And I just forgot the first one that I was going to say. But when he said something <laughs> along the, the lines of. One. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully I can uh, circle back. It'll come to you. It'll come to you. It will. But when he said. Basaki. Uh, we need you, Jake, Jake Gunn or whatever it was. Yeah. That seemed like a really da 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 type thing. Like in a movie, you'd see that where they would say that and there would be this moment between them where it was all sinking in. When he says, I have plans for you, is that the one? Yes, I have plans for you. That was, mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed that one. And you know what? Maybe later I'll think of the other one that my old mind forgot. <laughs> Your no, middle-aged mind. I love yeah. that. Yeah. No, I love that too. And um, Tad, right before that, that line about fighting for the hearts and minds of the American people is you're talking about in a country of this size with all of our different cities and states and regions. Um, I really think that's one of the things that complicates our politics compared to other countries in the world. When people talk about, well, why don't we just do this? And why don't we just do this like this country? And um, they're always saying we're doing it wrong. And I think you can't compare the United States of America to a small country in Europe. You just can't. We have, we're so vast. That's I mean, true. We have different climates, different industries, different, and a different government. We have different cultures within, we practically have different languages, at least strong dialects right yeah. in our own, our one country. So I, I think no, that's, you're right. I think that's why we are of the mind that states' rights, state government, um, is so important because the laws and the, you know, the way of life in Idaho is very different than North Carolina or Florida and California, you know, whatever. Well, and it would be natural. I think that given what, it, what has happened, any conversation probably at some point is going to turn to that, right? Mm -hmm. Given what they've dealt with, given four days earlier, they had this attack. I mean, you know, it's right. not... It's not, they, they blew up some things and whatever, but, but just, it, it was a, just an attack. It, it, I think probably felt like an attack and you know, that the government is, is losing, it's, is going to lose its mind about it probably already is. We're going to see yeah. some more of that as we Absolutely. get into next week, but it's uh, there. What I think was interesting is how it is where Jake starts in it mm -hmm. and where he finishes do you know what I mean? Like, because yes. he, he starts Jake's journey in this episode. Yeah. Cause he starts. And one of the first things he says is, um, well, they're terrorists. I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're terrorists. Right. right. Domestic and, terrorists. And then, so are they terrorists? You know, I looked this up, actually, the terrorism definition is the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. So Eli does kind of deal with that when he talk when when um because right after that, when he says maybe they are uh, it says perhaps Jake, Eli answered, nodding, perhaps they are terrorists when it comes right down to the brass tacks. He paused for a minute, studying the younger man next to him, then spoke again. But who exactly 
are they terrorizing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, technically, I like that part where I explained that we're not killing women and children and this and that. But I feel like Jake had swallowed a little bit of the propaganda of the big social media at that point and was just looking at it like that. And then he was forced to look at it in a different way. So um, I liked the process of their conversation. Um, and I think Eli was masterful at work in that conversation knowing when to shut up and when to play him what he watched him for a pause and the word stuck in his throat mm-hmm. and he didn't want to say that so the way he worked it seemed really good and it built up to that moment of recognition where he thought it wasn't a chance meeting at all i thought he came to that pretty quickly which shows you know perception he's very mm-hmm. perceptive but then when he finally heard him say we and that was a whole buildup of a conversation he worked it perfectly up to that end. Do you know Eli it. said we earlier? Like he said we a couple of times. Several times before that. Yes. Yes. And when it but finally in that hit same it, little exposition. Yes, yeah, same exposition. You're right. But when he when he when it clicked, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Took a minute and then yeah. he was like, huh. Well, don't you think right. uh, as an as an American society and as a culture, we're all um we're kind of ingrained to think like Jake started off thinking. Right. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, absolutely ever Past since quick, very quick judgment ever since 9-11. This has been like the reason we have to have the Patriot Act, the reason that the, we need to take off our shoes before we get on an airplane. Worst <laughs> thing we've ever had for our country was I mean, they our liberties have been just ever since then. They've been chopping away at our personal liberties, chopping away, chopping away, chopping away. And going back to that definition of terrorism, it says unlawful. Does that mean, because yes, technically it's against the law to do these things, but when it's provided for in the Constitution as a necessity to control the government, is it really unlawful? Technically it is, but you're doing what you're supposed to do. Well, technically the American Revolution was unlawful under English law. So Yeah, absolutely. They were terrorists. Yeah, whose laws? (laughs) Yeah. And and that was that was Thomas Jefferson's whole point. Going back to last week in the Declaration of Independence, which is that there's a higher law. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. there's absolutely God's yeah. natural law. And when governments become oppressive, it's the not only the right, it's the duty of the people to throw off the bonds of that government. This might be a good uh, moment for the disclaimer again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot that, didn't we? I don't know if we need it on the uh, podcast, mean, do we? You know, mm, not it's fiction. Of... We're well, talking I, about a this fiction. Is just as I know, just as we talk about it, because Todd's we do... world in Todd's world, we're we're just mm-hmm. just a reminder that we're in Todd's world. We don't. They're have to... fictional people, yeah. And even if they seem like they're based on real people, it's still all fictional, and mm-hmm. we don't encourage violence unless you know violence is needed. Well, you know, and, and this is where Lauren is, chimes in and says, "You're the worst at disclaimers." There you go, <laughs> Lauren. You are you are missed. So, I think that this is one of the dilemmas that we face in real life: is we um, we want to rely on the objectivity of a law, a written law, and we could just lean on that and say, "Well." This is lawful. This is unlawful. But when you start pulling in a higher law, that becomes subjective. And that's, 
that's a harder thing to wrap your head around. And it's a harder thing to come to agreement on with the people around you. So I think that's, that's the dilemma. Sometimes I find myself graying that area. Like in my mind, when I'm thinking about things like this, I think the higher law and stuff in my mind, maybe it's because of the religious background and stuff like that. I want to start graying that into on a spiritual level of mm-hmm. a higher power. I sometimes blur the lines between um, spiritualness and God and our government and stuff like, and on what we're doing to think, yes, it's our duty to do that. I'm not sure if that's biblical, but that's where my mind always goes. It's kind of strange. Like it's our responsibility to handle this. You feel like it is our responsibility or yeah. it's not? Sometimes okay. I, I feel like this stuff would be on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because we were founded for religious on religious freedoms or right. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't know. Yeah. So it biblically, um, you can also argue that there are times where God says that he's going to fight our battles for us. We don't need to fight those battles. But that's where I think the dilemma comes because it's well, unless everyone is playing by those rules, we can't necessarily sit by and get rolled and, over. Right. And also when he says he's going to do that, we would have to have a by and large, a mass turning to him and maybe mm-hmm. even a, a, a revival, I guess, to say, like, turn back to God and then he'll fight our battles for us. But when we are disregarding him in every way, shape and form in society, why would he? He wants us. Mm-hmm. He wants our hearts and minds. So even when even when God fights our battles for us, like right now, I'm reading through Exodus. In fact, I should plug a couple of things while oh I'm gosh. thinking about it. But uh, just some light also- reading. I also have the Todd. <laughs> I also have the Todd Allen show, and I'm trying to drop two 20 minute podcasts a week. The first one being current events, the second one being more of a spiritual oriented one. So last week I, I just went into Exodus. Um, also on Substack at Todd's World, uh, and I dropped a a piece last week called Blue Gods, and kind of went through the red and and the red and blue gods, and 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 I kind of played around with that as a piece on Substack. So anyway, it check those out too. Todd's world's the most important. That's kind of our flagship, but I'm also doing these other things. And hopefully maybe like I'd love it if Carrie would like to write something and put it on a Substack if she felt like it. <laughs> Ooh. Wait, what about hint, hint. You mean, hint, hint? I don't know. We're gonna talk about that. But anyway, what I was going to say is even when God like God delivered the children of of Israel from from Egypt, right? And this is kind of all of the Old Testament is kind of hinged around God picked his people up and he delivered them. And the reason he did the, did it the way he did it is through through signs and wonders. He wanted to make a statement to the whole world. But even when he's doing that, when he's arguing with Moses at the beginning, and Moses is like, I'm, I'm, I'm used up, I'm too old, I'm not doing this. And God's like, what's in your hand? And he it's a staff, and that's what I'm going to use. So as Moses takes off to Egypt, God says, make sure you take that with you. Then when you look at every plague, everything that God did in Egypt, he always tells Moses, take your staff and do this. When they get to the Red Sea, they've already escaped Egypt. And God's like, I got one more thing for Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh, he changes Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh's behind him and he splits it. And so the the Israelites are like, we're going to die. Why'd you bring us out here to die? And Moses cries out to God. They're standing in front of the Red Sea. They got Pharaoh, the entire Egyptian army behind him. And God says, why are you crying out to me? 
Take your staff and split the sea. Like God does it through us is my point. Do you know what I mean? Even then he's doing it through us and through what's in our hand. I always thought in that story and the use of the staff was God saying, I can use an inanimate object, a wooden staff to do whatever I want. Just imagine what I could do if I had all of you. Like yeah, you can there's use probably a point as to opposed that. to a staff, but little thing that I always thought about. But I think in the yeah. in the American Revolution, it's hard to it's hard to argue that God wasn't behind that. You know what I mean? Right. It's the great, it's the greatest military, greatest empire in the history of the world, the English Empire, and everything else. And this kind of ragtag group of colonists and this army they put together, but God used them. Mm-hmm. They still mm-hmm. had to kill the English, get the arms, get the cannonballs. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. Washington still had to cross the Delaware. So, so what yeah, I mean, God, they, the people he's using have to have the faith in him. Moses to, had to the act. faith. Yes. Right. To act. Exactly. Okay. What God's going to do, he does through us. I guess that's my point by and large. A huh. little spiritual little side Christian there. I like side it. I like to it. the podcast. Yeah. Back to Jake Gunn now. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Jake. Okay. Can I comment on the beginning here? Uh, first, yes. what, what's with the hating on the raisins? Why was the hating <laughs> of the raisins so passionate? I was like, you know wow. what? I thought that too, but I also thought that's the little things that make it real. That makes <laughs> them stuff that has nothing to do with the story, and we don't need it, but it makes you think, oh, he doggone, he hates raisins. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Well, some of those details you get from uh, the author's personal yes, taste. Yes, so I'm like, little great turds. Todd Is that what he called them? Great raisins. turds. Yes. Yeah, I do hate raisins. So um, no, but in all, all seriousness, in the beginning, I like how that contrast. We went from all of the action and the violence to Jake, this new character, hiking out in nature and. What I like about it was that he is in this perceived state of freedom. Yeah, he's and in I, his happy place. Yes. And I, I felt like he's free. He's out there. He's feeling all that freedom. And then Eli comes along and, you know, they're enjoying it. But he's then in this hard spot where he has to make this decision. And that freedom he was feeling on the hike is per- just perceived. It's not actual in this moment. And it made me think of the American people in the story, how they perceive that they're free. We're just walking bliss, around. But they're really not. And they're about to come yep. up to a very tough decision. They're so just an I just, I love that parallel with the hike, Todd. thought that was cool. It's really good. Yeah. I can't I say enjoyed, I, that I meant that either. It just, you know, we're lucky sometimes. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the fact that it's it's in Michigan, West, Northern, wherever, uh-huh. probably Northern, Western Michigan. And so my mind can picture it all. Like when they come over and then they can see Lake Michigan over top of the next set of hills. And I love all that. And the pines. Seems to be that the author prefers Michigan. It takes me there and it makes me happy that I can <laughs> see it right that. in my mind. Yeah. Like as opposed to describing a place where you've never been or you can't relate to, I like mm-hmm. that. Puts it on a different level for me. Well, I felt like when I started here, the, the part of the reason that you see some of it based here is because I wanted I wanted to start there with some places that I am familiar with and I know and that I like and then move out from there. You know, let let it let it widen out from there as as we got a hold of the story. Yeah. Um, can you sense. I had a thought and I wanted to ask you. Is there a reason that you chose a podcaster and 
part-time author, writer, extraordinaire, as opposed to some mega person that's already, mm-hmm. you know, cause he's like not the biggest thing ever. He's only got, he's what, not big at all. Followers are right. He's the only, got, what do you say? 500 followers. You, mm-hmm. you could have chose somebody that would have been this mega person already established, but no, you pick someone that was on the smaller side that's going to have to explode onto the scene. Is there any thought behind well, that? Well, I think there's, I think two things. I think that it shows you again, uh, it implies the size and scope and kind of strength of Group Alamo that that they 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 have a an information technology division that they're not they don't need somebody set they can take whatever they want but then i think the other thing is that if you bring in somebody big like let's just take a a glenn beck for instance i know it's todd's world it's not the real world but take somebody like a glenn beck you know type of character he's got a little bit of a a conspiratorial bent Mm -hmm. you know but he's he's big he's good he's been around he's well established you bring somebody like that in you're also taking a chance that that they're not quite as easy to kind of mold and control for Eli into what he wants. You're 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 risking mm. some dissension by bringing somebody like that in on such a ground floor level. Right. They're so I mean? established. They they would have an easier out if they. Did well, yeah. That. I mean, what what are you gonna you know? That, that, at least that that's my thought is that they they believe they can take and and kind of mess with the algorithms and do whatever they want to make his show explode and at the same time shape and form his thinking maybe a little easier a little better yeah and whether whether or not that turns out to be true i don't know Mm -hmm. but i i think that's the thinking on eli's part yeah and he said how did you know i was coming on this hike i mean it just goes to show that where have you been following me well maybe not physically but they know what he's been doing Right on the mm-hmm. on the internet, what he's been going to, they paid attention. So, how did they know about his hike? Were they look at it as emails, or you know, well, yeah. it could have been anything? Ah, You've given us some insight into that. Well, I mean the 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 vast surveillance powers of mm-hmm. the federal government, and if you have a, a group that can tap into that, it, it's somewhat limitless what they can find out and can do. Well, the fact is. This group, Alamo, they're not doing things through courts or legally. No, they're just tap. They have the ability to tap into whatever they want and look at it, which is scary because just because they're on the what we would classify or as the freedom people would classify as the right side doesn't make it any less scary that they see everything you do. It actually made me step back and think, uh, well, they knew he was going on this hike. They weren't physically following him, but. Even though I'm, I want to be on their side in the story. I'm like, wow, that's kind of. It's a red flag for you. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Because when you've dealt with the government getting into every little crevice of your life and looking at it and nothing being overlooked, it's just almost like some other side is going to do the same thing. What? How long right. until they overstep the bounds? True. It's, although you can't, you can't not do it if you know just. Oh, it was a necessary to, evil in this situation. Yeah. Right. Necessary evil. Um, yeah. Well, and the other thing is, I, I'm going to take this and I'm going to make a real world compu- comparison, I, although I don't think it's real. We're leaving but, God's world. But to <laughs> to how people, and Will, Will would know this because of, you know, we've had some 
some podcasts on the Todd Allen show with Brandon and stuff. And, and there's this idea, this Q and this QAnon stuff floating, oh on, floating around out there. And everybody's like, listen, it's got to sit back and watch the movie. Everything's under control. Trump's still president. The military's in control. Everything's good. Oh. You know what I mean? And, and listen, and that's, that's, there's a lot of people out there. Wishful there may thinking. be a lot of people listening to this show who think, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing right now. And, and you know what? Maybe, but I wish here's the deal <laughs> is I don't think I that everything is, I just, the, life is not that cut and dry. It's not good guys, bad guys like that. You could never, uh, you could never attempt to take down our federal government using only good guy tactics. Correct. Yeah. You just couldn't, it, it's not, it's not feasible. They, they certainly aren't. So exactly, <laughs> but it so gets my hackles up that knowing that they were watching him that closely and knew he was going mm-hmm. on this trip made me think, Ooh, that's, I think he kind of felt that way. Well, I think that's natural and he should have because you get all the way to the end and he gets, that's why using the word invitation in the title is, is, is kind of funny because it wasn't really an invitation. It, well, ironic, he, there was a line but... in there that it was an yeah. invitation, but just because there's only one choice. <laughs> Doesn't make it any less of another option. I love that. I did like the point where he realized that if he did not go with him, his life was pretty much over. Yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't another way off that hilltop. He's a smart guy. He bought into it, I think, but not without coercion. In some way, remember mm -hmm. the the line in The Godfather where they offer him a (laughs) they 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 offer him an option he can't refuse or it's not an option it's like they made him an offer he couldn't refuse right it was either his <laughs> signature or his brains on that piece of paper Godfather yeah. pizza the pizza you can't refuse <laughs> mm-hmm. so there's another little red flag for me and that and i hope this isn't the case but we were talking about why eli or why the alamo chose a, a small potatoes podcaster and mm-hmm. small potatoes guy i i hope that you know, we talked about him being moldable. I hope he's not going to be manipulated because obviously he's been chosen for a reason besides his, you know, rank in, in popularity. But I just mean, I hope, uh, I hope You're they're being not going to be soft mani- and worried manipul- about his, yeah, I, I want, about his well-being. It just, I just don't want them to say, oh, we're, I don't want them to brainwash him and you don't just want manipulate him just to be him. a willing shill. No, I just would, I but. hope that they've chosen him for a good reason. They maybe can manipulate his rise to the public spotlight, but hopefully not his way of thinking. I don't like any manipulation of, of that. I know what you're saying, but there's gotta be a little bit of that. I mean, there has to be, there's going to be some of that. There's no other way to get around it. And you know Mm -hmm. what, this is war. And sometimes that happens and people get used, but but hopefully also, I agree with you. Hopefully yeah. not. But. And hopefully just because he doesn't have a giant ego, he's not this big famous guy with a big ego. Yeah. So maybe that's a better way of putting it. I'm going to, I'm just making myself feel better about it, Todd, but. Well, hopefully he, th- this is where, when you introduce a character, you hope that the character has ends up having more to them than what you, than what maybe people might expect on the front end. You know well, what I mean? Especially if it's a good guy, yes. But certainly they're going to be presented, and certainly if you're if you're Eli and you have this massive paramilitary group and you're starting this war on the federal government of the United States, I mean, you're going to think in certain terms of how people are useful to you. Yeah, I mean, a little I, bit. I, mm-hmm. 
And how long before he's going to have a target on his back? Not very long. As soon as they find out who he is and he starts broadcasting and putting the narrative out there, they're the government yeah, next, will want him dead. Next season, we're going to run into that. And we're going to see how how Jake deals with that. Hey, that's another plus to picking someone like Jake because he um, because he doesn't already have a target on his back from mm-hmm. the government or the opposition, whoever that is. Yeah. He's relatively unknown to them, so that's another advantage. It's also another, if, if, if Group Alamo takes him and through manipulation of algorithms and everything else, jumps him up into where he's a, a major voice, yeah. it's another It's another sign to the federal government, listen, yep. this is the kind of power that we have that we're dealing with. Yep. And And you can see as you go through this episode how that that all of that kind of plays in for Eli that so much more of this everything they're doing is psychological than than your typical like right now in Ukraine in the real world you've got Putin and you've got Zelensky and you got these guys but but I mean what they're fighting for is ground and it's a typical World War II kind of warfare artillery this kind of thing and this is not that kind of war oh right. I just thought of my other point earlier that I wanted to bring up Todd thank Ooh. you. No, look at me go. Um, did I just forget it again? <laughs> oh yeah. No. Where he said it wasn't <laughs> ruining the show. No. <laughs> we are suddenly even more relatable to the listeners. That's what it is. That's all it is. I'm gonna take my computer and go home. <laughs> oh, I am home. Oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> um where doggone it now i did forget it what okay, is wrong with sorry. me okay so it was we about talking. the artillery yeah and no, we're the not fighting kinds for ground war. is what he right. said and yeah, yeah. how he explained what it was all about and what i really liked was that they're not he said and explained we're not just going and attacking our government they brought the fight and the war to us first and it's not like oh you have a cough button amazing I like that at the bottom there's a little mute guy yeah you got a golden microphone too um <laughs> but i i loved his explanation of um we're we are not choosing this war they chose us they brought the fight to our doorstep and we have to either fight or lay down and be destroyed i really really that was another thing that i that's a good point thing. i wanted to dive into that with you two and see what you thought about because what, what eli's doing is there's this obvious personal kind of violence that we saw last episode yep and eli's taking that and he's contrasting it and he's saying listen we didn't start the violence in fact our violence is is peanuts in comparison to what the government's done to its own people you buy that i love that part that we're not just a bunch of crazy war fedex that want to overthrow the government like uh what would they yeah they brought the the fight to us we have to yeah We have it's mostly found? FBI anyway. The Proud Boys. Oh, the yeah. It's it's mostly FBI anyway. Well, fifty percent, maybe seventy. Yeah, but I right. really enjoyed that part that they brought the war to us, and it's not they're just responding. They're not starting anything, but hopefully they finish it. Yeah, I mean, finally somebody's in Todd's uh, world. It, it, when I was putting clips out, I, I kind of one of the taglines I would put in was the Patriots or the insurrectionists finally strike back. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't, I, 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 it's all fictional. It's in Todd's world, but I don't mm-hmm. mean that what I'm also addressing is something that's in people that feels like we haven't been fighting back. I mean, Trump's right. the closest we've come, 
and they've done ever by the way you didn't get arrested imagine maybe oh, Q's right. <laughs> well they've been it it brought it down to make people think we've been taking shots and blows to our liberty mm-hmm. and from our government for decades and decades and when he said there hadn't been a free and fair election since the 90s and possibly the 80s yeah you've been taking blows and blows and eventually you either lay down and are just done or you fight back in Todd's world. In Todd's world. Yeah. He also said we didn't want this war, which is a, yes. a valid consideration too. This is no one wants there to be this kind of. Well, I think you said but... it in, in the last episode or something where you'd want, you'd prefer like what you want is to see the justice system work and people yep. to get of course. in front of judges and juries and, and everything else. And I think by and large, everybody would, would want that. Oh, in a perfect yeah. world. Yeah. That'd be the way to go. Mm-hmm. As I was listening to this, I started thinking how much I'd like to see comments from people, like uh, what they thought about the plan and how it brought it down. Cause I feel like when this slows down from, all the violence to this, like an episode like this, where it's more of an explanation and it's more of down to a a feeling and a plan and building type episode. I feel like that's the one that people are going to look at and really make their mind start churning where they're not just saying, yeah, let's go get them. But they're thinking, wow, this is even bigger and you have to plan for their head than you ever would imagine. You can't just have an uprising and overthrow a government of this size you have to have plans and it's got to be done a certain way and the alamo seems to have a lot of that already done like he picked up the phone and said uh operation last stand starts tomorrow it no it had been in the works a long time before that and they were ready and building up to it even though they hadn't executed it they already were looking far far ahead like i always thought trump was like five moves ahead of your average person in mm-hmm. the art of the deal, he's always working people and he's getting this, he's getting what he wants from people. I think Alamo was very much like that. They've been steps ahead a long time ago. They've been preparing for this. And we're going to see as the season, as the season rolls on, we're going to get more and more insight into how they started. What you know what I mean? We're just going to learn a lot more about Group Alamo. And mm-hmm. a lot of that I think we'll be learning through Jake's eyes, because I think he's going to be learning as he, you know, obviously as he goes he started out not having any idea and in the space of a couple hours eli eli i think presents a a completely different way of of looking at at things one of the things i was going to ask you guys is when you look at this when you look at eli's philosophy Mm -hmm. do you find yourself thinking you know i don't know if i'm at that philosophy but but is he starting to convince us do you know what i mean because because obviously there, there are parallels i'm not saying that it could be all over the world when you're dealing with governments and people or whatever but but is, is he starting to make some sense i think eli has made sense much of the story so far to me yeah very um, logical he's thought it through he had a great if he was trying to persuade somebody in a courtroom mm-hmm. very well done i think i mean how he laid it out made perfect sense uh, how could you debate it? I mean, there's things that you have to do that you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, that's part of it. That's kind of implied that's war. And there's going to be some casualties. And yep, that's a terrible thing. But in the big picture, it's it's part of life. You know, it's well, they talked do. about how because Jake Jake says when when he when when 
Uh, Eli initially asked him, but who exactly are we terrorizing? It says Jake looked at him sideways. Everyone in society, every parent who sends their kids off to school or who shops at a grocery store, afraid a bomb might go off at any second. And then Eli says, but there haven't been any bombings at grocery stores or schools or churches. Have there even mm -hmm. been any civilians killed? And Jake wants to say, of course there has. And then he's he finds it kind of stuck in his throat. And he's like, uh... And then, and then Eli gets into it more and he starts asking, is Johnny Tyler, is Jackie Parisi, are these just civilians? Right. And he, yeah. he went through that whole process and he made him think about it. And I think that's Eli showing him the heart of where their motive is. That's what I mean by heart, their motive that they're not just uh, power hungry and want their own control to run the mm -hmm. government. That's where, because I feel like Jake was already thinking ahead, like, these terrorists inevitably, inevitably, that's going to happen. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Inevitably, that's going to happen. That they're going to blow up school buses or you know something like that, or they're going to do this. He took a jump that wasn't really in reality either. But once he saw the heart of the movement, he thought, mm -hmm. "Yeah, I guess you're right. That's not what they're doing, and probably not what they're going to do." Yeah, I think that's Eli's where they separate themselves from other terrorists. I guess you would say, if they are. Right. Sorry, Carrie, go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, I think Eli's very persuasive too with, so Todd, I agree with Eli's philosophy. I'm not sure. I've never been to war. I've, I've never you been. Haven't? No, oh. <laughs> not. I thought you were the special forces. Not conventionally. <laughs> Hush. Anyway, um, but Eli is very convincing with um, when he says, that what holds America together is the consent of the governed. Mm. I um, I thought that's a a powerful perspective, and that's we've talked about that before. That the people just need to be reminded that our government works for us, and as long as we're giving consent to our liberties being taken away, as long as we're well, that's one know, of the things giving he says. consent for our yep. Congress people, you know, using inside information to, to get rich. I mean, you know, then that's how it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. somewhere he in there, he, he says, we just need to remind the American people that they still hold the reins, even if they don't think they do. Yes. And also went further and said, and our government behaves like that we don't also. They don't have oh, a absolutely. Yes. They don't. Right. 100%. And I, that really made me think, yeah, you filthy animals. They don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't. In touch. You don't even deserve a speech. <laughs> right. In touch. That's right. Well, there was one yeah. uh, one line in here that I thought you might particularly appreciate. Oh, tears, uh, Mr. Ringo's an educated man. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you're going? And tombstone fans everywhere, right? Is that what that was? <laughs> we, we, we have we have some fun. Like we had Johnny Tyler in the last episode. We got <laughs> one we of got the, some fun tombstone stuff. One of the greatest That's movies cool. ever. Why not throw a nod to it when you can? I mean, mm -hmm. now I it's really a reckoning. Uh -huh. <laughs> maybe um, i'll watch it. i'll watch it this week uh, another thing todd that went through my mind and maybe the author had no foresight for this and it was just coincidence but when you named this podcaster part-time author extraordinaire jake gunn the last person you would ever think is going to pick up a gun did you ever think about that like it's ironic that he's jake gunn but he's not ever going to fight a war like that he's going to fight it over the the communication part and social media and stuff. And he's named gun, but yet he's probably never going to pick it up. He's fighting like he has, yeah. a gun, but not. Does that make sense? Oh, 
Yeah, sure. I guess is in this war. Happy coincidence. As, as clandestine as it all is, Ooh. you'll find most people end up with guns in their hands at some point. Well, yeah. Will but... a step a step further? Jake, his last name is Gun, and he is the weapon that's being used by Alamo. Yeah. Oh, look at that! I like that. I'll be honest. When I when I started this story, I or this season, I expected Jake, and he does play a decent sized role, um, and I think he'll grow into more of a main role. But Just I wasn't I wasn't prepared for. Well, I've said this from the beginning. I, I was I was never quite prepared for Beth. She she took me by she continues to take me by surprise <laughs> and like she just takes over and of course Eli is 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 a, is a is a is a main character that's hard to but but I really wanted somebody who who is there who can at least provide from the inside a, a view on what's going on in in Group Alamo mm-hmm. and maybe maybe question some of it because like mm-hmm. I said it's not all. It's not all good. It's not good guys. It's not white hats versus black hats. And it's that clear. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do some things that are very hard decisions that are going to be mm-hmm. probably wrong, but you have to. And um, is the... I, Go ahead. I enjoyed the way you showed us inside the eyes of Eli when they said they softened and he softened. He has, he has feelings. He's not a hard, hardened mm-hmm. soldier that never thinks of that when the time comes. Eli's a man of action. He'll handle it and he'll turn that off and he'll just rain down fire, so to speak, mm-hmm. really. But yet when he's talking to Jake Gunn about it, his eyes are full of compassion and reason and they're soft. They're not hard. But then you can see him get hard when he starts thinking about a certain thing. And like Jake was walking in peace along this trail and then all of a sudden he'd crossed a bridge and he was no longer in peace. And that's when Eli, his eyes turned and the reality of it, came there we all want to live in that place that's comfortable and soft but when you get outside it you have to you have to be hard you realize that the world started to shift underneath your feet and you didn't even know it at mm-hmm. first and yeah yeah i, I, just, I think that uh-huh. and there's no doubt what do you think here are you like i i liked that too i liked that he looked back into the just the moments before that moment and realized that a big change had happened and I just, I, I like how quick thinking Jake is. He's, yes. he recognized his circumstances quickly. I think um, I, I'm excited to see where he goes. I, I like a, one of the things, Todd, that's really great about this story so far is that, and it makes it realistic, is that there's not going to be one easy hero. I think it's going to be a lot of little heroes doing their part to to bring about this, you know, well to perpetrate this insurrection. insurrection yeah. yeah. It's going to be change, a heck of a ride. To save the world. And one thing I hope, or overthrow the government. One <laughs> thing I hope you'll find, and I think you'll find this as the story moves on, I think people will find this and hopefully enjoy it, is to me, one of the things that drives me crazy if I'm watching a movie or if I'm reading a book or whatever, is when you have these characters that are set up, and, and Eli would have been this kind of a character in a lot of books where they can be kind of one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. and and you don't you don't really get into them you don't you, you know that you don't see the other sides and i want to see i want to develop these characters and see what they're really all about you know what i mean not, like what not not just what does eli do who is eli how right. did he get to be who he is you know those kinds of mm-hmm. things 
And I, but I like that. I prefer character development. And I mean, obviously we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of action. <laughs> We're not short yeah. on action. But. Yeah. I like that a few of the characters start off as unwilling participants. I mean, they're just like Beth is hijacked into the situation. She doesn't want to be into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Gray too. And gray also. Yeah. And they're yeah. into it. And I can see throughout time how they may morph into they're all in because they have no choice. And other people like Jake Gunn starting off, he didn't have a great option. No, He, <laughs> he took an option and um, he starts <laughs> off as somewhat, even though he, his eyes were opening and he was starting to agree an unwilling participant. And no, once you get into this thing, your life will never be the same. There's no, it doesn't matter what stage you're on. Best life will never be the same. Jake guns will never be the same. And they're not career into it. Like uh, Eli is there. Mm-hmm. He's into it and he know, knew what he was getting into. Some of these people still, I don't think realize how much their life's going to change. Oh, for sure. True. They've yeah, just they been don't. thrown. They've just been thrown into the pool. Like they're just getting their bearings still. Which is and why also this is those in Todd's pe- world. Yeah. It would never happen in the real world because people don't want their life to change. They don't want to make right. a sacrifice. Well, I don't know. Maybe these people wanted their lives to change, but you know, well, Beth, Beth, what the what these people are all starting to see is the seedy underside of a government that doesn't care at all about individuals, and if you get in their way you're something to be destroyed mm-hmm. we see that writ large not in todd's world but in the real world with donald trump because that's absolutely what the deep state and the government have done is they is he was always an enemy and they're still to this day trying to destroy him it doesn't you know what i mean yeah <laughs> i remember in the real world when i started um really realizing the extents the government would go the lives they would destroy and not really care as long as they're meeting their political objective. If somebody gets in their way, they don't mind destroying a life, um, putting somebody in prison that doesn't belong there. Anything like that, um, get on the wrong side of the Clintons and you're done. I mean, it was a scary thing when I started realizing our government doesn't care about people at all. No, mm-hmm. not they even would a say they do. They say, oh, yeah, it's all. Yes. But no, they don't care. Give me money and give me power. All right. Back to Todd's world. That's me. <laughs> well, here's a question I had that that. um Part of what, what you see in an insurrection and in, in the real world, Biden made this comment at, at one point, and, and I can't remember when it was. I, it may have been since he. Hold on. Uh, you said Biden made a comment? Was that what happened? Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, it's been it's been since he was dead. Uh, I don't quite know if he was elected yet. I'm not sure. But anyway. So somewhere in his incoherent mutterings, you got this. Yeah, they, they jolted him back to life with like 137,000 volts. And. <laughs> But so, somehow it came up about an insurrection or about whatever may have been during the, during the campaign. And he said something like, well, you'd need F 16s and blah, 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 in order to fight the government. You remember that? End quote. And oh, that's what you're supposed to say at the end. <laughs> so what, what I'm wondering is Eli talks about this back to Todd's world. Eli talks about this. And part of what I think, if you look at how, how the government in the real world has done January 6th, it's all about intimidation. And mm-hmm. so we come back to Todd's world and you, and you get that from Jake. Jake says, can we really, can you really hope with 12 gauges and AR 15s, can, can the people really have any hope at all? And, 
and and it's just the sheer size and scope of the federal government and the military. But you know what I wondered is, do you think that that sheer size and scope works against them too? It may, because they're so, sometimes the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing in the government sometimes? and they can't communicate together. Right. Sometimes you see it loud and clear when you don't know what's going on and you can't, they can't formulate a great plan because they're never working together, especially with You're talking about the government. Yeah. And you're talking about the sheer size and scope both, of the both military. Both the government and the okay. military. It, it, now, we're, now we're bringing them into Todd's world and we're saying. Does it work against them? Does that size work against them to benefit in some ways Group Alamo in some of this? It could. It could. I think you talked last week about, or maybe it was just in this. I can't remember. Last week, I think we talked about local police not being willing to enforce, this is in the real world, not being willing to enforce certain restrictions during COVID, COVID. for example. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the size and scope, it gets watered down. And when you have a local police force looking at their community and members of their community who they know, they go to church with, they go to school, their kids all go to school together. Mm -hmm. Are they going to turn their weapons on those people? Absolutely not. And Do you think Eli's right that at least half the military isn't going to fire on American citizens if called to? Probably. I like how he explained that they took an oath to the constitution and a vast majority remember that and know it, which I think, think that's is true. true. It's gotta be true. It. Don't believe everything you see in the media obviously goes without saying, right? right? They try to paint with a broad brush and generalize things, and it's not the case. Even when things are getting watered down and they're overstepping some liberties here and there, and you may find some departments that do that to a certain extent, and it was more than I would like to admit. But I think the vast majority, they remember that. Deep down, they know, and they're only going to go so far with it. But you're basically flushing your livelihood down the toilet when you stand up against that yeah that's the problem so you're saying oh so you're saying that military has sworn an oath to uphold and, the u.s constitution and police officers and police officers okay so so have then all of the members of our government yeah so do you think that the difference because i think we have more faith in our police officers and our military, remembering what that oath means. Why do we have more faith in them than the people in the government? Do you think it's because, oh, yes, please go. <laughs> because go. <laughs> you don't get into the military or police work to get rich. Your motive is, honestly, if people don't want to admit it, but they have a servant's heart when they get into it. They think mm -hmm. they want to help people in any way they can. And you do see some military that, that get in there for a career and they end up higher up uh, and they're just ladder climbers. And you're right. They bought into all this stuff and Vinman okay. and those people got into it for the wrong reason. But the vast majority of people that got into the military, it's because they love our country mm -hmm. and they want to serve our country and their patriots. And I would say to a certain extent, law enforcement also, they get into it because they want to help people. And that the motive is a different thing. A lot of politicians get into it because they want to make money and get rich and not all of them, but oh. then even some that get into it very soon are overwhelmed by the big machine and they change their whole perspective. 
Harry, I remember when you read this before, this was a while back mm-hmm. when I, when I had given you guys the, the first kind of drafts or whatever you, you had said one of your favorite lines was the government's targets are hidden needles in the biggest haystack ever imagined mm-hmm. while the targets mm-hmm. for the insurrectionist attacks are literally everywhere and largely unprotected. You still, yeah. uh, you still think that that's, I mean, I think that's true. I, I don't, I mean, whether you're it in real true. world or whether in Todd's world, it's, it's a hard because the he, Eli makes this good case about this massive military and he says, but what are they going to target? Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think it's really shines a light on a reality that maybe you just didn't consciously think about before in, in this, in Todd's world. It peels away <laughs> a little of that intimidation. Yes. Fact. Mm-hmm. feels like you can hide in the haystack proverbially and blend mm-hmm. in and still accomplish what you want to some extent. Right. Yeah. Um, not much of this episode made me sad. One thing did, but at the same time, it made me happy when you mm-hmm. threw out the nod to Rush Limbaugh. Oh. I, I love that. And I tell you what, not hearing him on the radio is brutal because yeah. it brightened up every day. And sometimes I had to listen to it later. I couldn't always listen right when it was going on. And I love that nod to him and um, his little uh, statement that he put out his about undeniable. violence. Yeah. Yeah. That was you think that's awesome. true? You think that Eli's application of it is, is fair too? That that's we're what a, I was thinking. We're a world yes. governed by violence. Carrie, you think that? Because I thought as I was looking at that, I thought Carrie's the kind of person that has love stickers and everything else. And she doesn't want to believe that very <laughs> altruistic. She's got oh. like her tie dye P-shirt on and she doesn't want to think we're a world Gary, governed by violence. And Gary's I'm really, like, mom her, would huh? be that way. I'm not right? a hippie. I'm not a hippie. I just was, You're I lover. just, I'm a lover. I believe in the power of love. And I believe that there's more love in the world than people recognize. But, um, so you're asking me, I, w- I want to know specifically what the quote is before I answer that. Okay. So let me, let me get I'm it to looking let me find here. the Rush Limbaugh quote, because I'm the sure Rush I have it. Says, if you can find it, you can read it first. I just, I got it on my screen because I okay. made some changes. Ours is a world governed by the aggressive use of force. Mm-hmm. That was when- Rush's first undeniable truth of life. He had a bunch of, I wish I had the book here with me, but I don't. But he goes on to say even just the threat of the force, correct? Yeah. Well, he says that's another way. Yeah, go ahead. Get it, Carrie. That's another way of saying the world is governed by violence, Jake. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, is it governed by violence? Or the threat of violence. Threat of violence. Which what that's what Trump is really good at. I will say yes. That that's why Trump believed in peace through power and strength, peace through strength. Mm -hmm. Because the threat of violence keeps people in check. The old Teddy Roosevelt carry uh, speaks softly and carry a big stick, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And that was when Teddy built the biggest navy in the history of the world and paraded it, sailed it all over the world, just so people knew. <laughs> you, you had to love Teddy. <laughs> Don't mess with us. <laughs> in case you were thinking about something, look at this. So to your thoughts on that, Carrie, you don't, you didn't want to agree with it, but what do you I think? Don't, I don't want to agree with it, but um, I think because I try in, in Carrie's world. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> in Carrie's world. That is not the, that's not the thinking. That's not the mindset. Um, 
No, I believe, you know, we don't, we don't, I don't live my life that way. But if I walk out my front door, I think I, I'm naive to say that that is not the case. Um, so sadly. The question is, could both be true? Can, oh, well, do we live in a world governed by the aggressive use of force from a, yes. from a geopolitical standpoint and from kind of a, a natural kind of standpoint, but at the, at the end is, is love is the Christian ideal more powerful than that ideal? I mean, we know the real end of the story, spiritually speaking. So yes, love is more, more powerful. Um, but it, I don't think that people naturally, so I used to argue that people are naturally good. Oh. <laughs> you poor thing. I know. I'm sorry. I, and I think that was <laughs> I knew what was coming back. <laughs> oh my goodness. You should have grown I up in an independent uh, independent fundamental Baptist church. You wouldn't exactly. have any such Gosh, <laughs> I know. Well, when I was raised Catholic, everyone talks about Catholic guilt. It's like I was just raised to believe people are good. Um I I tr- I do seek to trust people before I don't. I seek to care about people before I don't. If I mean, it's just so going. You back come to- from a family, and I don't mean on my side. I don't mean that. Uh, I mean <laughs> on your mom's side, yeah. on all all her siblings, on your grandma. The what you're saying was true. That was the world that that family. I mean, I've any of them that I've known that I've talked to. They they're they're really loving people and they have done a really good job with it. So maybe that's the difference between when you pull it all the way down, not mm-hmm. just the local government, all the way down to the family, you can really, that's where those kinds of things are really true. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I know where the influence came from for sure. <laughs> um, and it's a good influence. It I mean, is it's, a good it's influence. right. And I will always be who I am. And my heart is always going to be the way it is. Nothing Mm -hmm. is going to. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing's going to change that. Um, But I do. I think the reason I want to deny things like this quote, um, it's because I don't want to be cynical. I feel like cynicism eats away at beautiful spirits. And um, so I fight cynicism a lot, but again, I I think there's a difference between realism and cynicism. The the way you just said that. Yeah. Profoundly accurate that it does eat away at that Mm -hmm. different parts of my life. I could see it like with, when I was at work dealing with bad things every day. Yes. That makes you cynical and it can harden you. And it really eats away at your inner joy. If you let it. It, it does. You have to have the skill of compartmentalizing when you do certain things. And you you described it to a T. It eats away and it makes you not as joyful of a person. Mm-hmm. But that's where God would come in and restore yeah. you and everything, I would think. So, uh, yeah. I know. It's I think hard, you're but right. I want to say yes. but There's a difference between, I think that's where I am now because this believing that everyone is good you know people are naturally good that was not that long ago um that i shifted that belief so what i'm reconciling How long ago i was going to ask you that has that been in the last like could you almost say since trump slash covid you've started to to have eyes open maybe a little or what brought it about Uh, was there certain events that brought that thinking about um oh the change yes 
Yes. So there's a there's a, a writer and a radio personality who I've followed over the years, uh, Dennis Prager. Oh yeah, Prager U. Mm-hmm. Prager yep. U. I believe Prager U. Which, can... if you're listening, you should have us on, Dennis, because oh right, we're wildly entertaining, way better than your normal shows. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, I love Dennis Prager. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys are familiar. He's with funny. Him. His fireside chats yes. and stuff are pretty good. So fun. So. When the kids were little, I would listen to him in the car, and he had uh, he had written a book called "Happiness Is a Serious Problem." Great book, I recommend it. Um, but recently, I heard him speak on whether people are inherently good or bad, and mm-hmm. I was shocked to hear him say that people are not naturally good. That we if we were naturally good, we wouldn't have to be taught as children to say thank you. We wouldn't have to be taught to be kind, to share, to do all that. So we have to be taught goodness. And when I heard that, it shifted everything. That was very recently. That was in the last eight months, six months, okay. maybe. Interesting. So that's what made the change. So I think it was just this me being lofty and optimistic about you know people saying, oh, everybody really is at the heart good, mostly good. <laughs> Um, so I think it is, it depends on how you're taught, but I think what I'm reconciling now is, um, you've just helped me come to it is the difference between being cynical and being realistic and you can be realistic and still stay joyful and be Mm -hmm. the best person you can be and all that. So it's a little bit of a tangent, but. And some of my career choices and things made me not trust anyone initially, I've always got a wall up when I deal with people and I'm always looking at them and thinking, okay, what's their angle here? doesn't make me less of a happy person. Mm -hmm. I think it just makes me really aware, which it is so ingrained deeply into me. It takes me back to when I talked about them knowing where Jake Gunn was going to be hiking. Automatically, I got cynical of Eli, even though I would want to be on their side (laughs) for the uprising in Todd's world and all this. Immediately, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I don't trust this guy either. Yeah, Yeah, it's a frightening thing. Right. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Do you think Eli's right when he says, uh, well, what he does is he talks about how that's one challenge the government faces. The other is simply logistics. The military is set up to project power. They're very ill suited to fighting a widespread uprising on American soil. And he, and he says just the size of the country works against it. That, I mean, at, at, at I've heard that at the most, the military might be able to put a hundred thousand boots on the ground at the most. And in a country this size, that's not, I mean, that's a drop in the bucket. And that's if they could get all of them to stick with it. There's going to be some that would just say, what in the world are we doing? Killing our own people or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know, that's why I think the police forces are going to be so um, important to the government. I mean, well, I think they're important to both sides, but, but as far as which way they, they go, you know what I mean? And and Mm -hmm. because by, by the way they're designed and naturally they would always go to the government. And so the question is, is group Alamo is Eli with some of this psychological and some of this warfare, are they going to be able to, to turn some of that thinking? Do you know what I mean? And that, and I think that's going to be really important for the insurrectionists to have any kind of a shot is you've got to change 
some of that thinking. But even then, even then, if you took all of the police forces and all of the military, it's not nearly enough to lock down this country and actually control a country of this size and this scope. Would you agree with that? I agree. I would agree. Mm-hmm. And that's when they knew they they would have to realize that they were going to lose a percentage of either one, police or military how big that percentage is. I think they assume and knew would know that it's a large percentage, which is why they're trying to weed people out. Like I exiting oh. Todd's world into the real world. <laughs> we go back and forth. <laughs> I think that is why you have all these ridiculous prosecutions of certain police officers because of stuff they do that is completely within policy. And in the heat of the moment, when you're battling for your life, it's just a brawl and they want to arrest people and say, Oh, you, you punched somebody. You did this, you did that because they're trying to weed out people that are not going to be on their side and they want to change the balance. I would say, but aren't they also the weeding out the toughest people? Yes. Yeah, they don't want to fight the toughest people, Todd. They want, well, to get they rid want of them. the toughest people fighting for them, Wait, you know they're, I mean? but they not... know they're not going to get them to fight for them because they have this is probably true. standards. They're not, yeah, they're not necessarily weeding out the toughest people, but they're weeding out the ones who are committed to the oath to the Constitution. Exactly. Uphold it. That's what I mean. There's no doubt in my mind there is, they have a plan and they're, they've been carrying it out for decades of destroying the American family, eating away at trust in law enforcement, increasing racial tensions. It's all part of a big plan. I know that sounds conspiracy theorish a little bit to some people. Absolutely true. If you don't, I don't see think it, anymore, you're silly. If people don't believe conspiracy theories anymore, I mean, <laughs> with everything we've seen. But what I wonder is, and what do you think? Because we're, I mean, we're going to see it going forward as we get into this story. But if the, we have to assume that the deep state, even though they're full of hubris, even though they're arrogant, even though they're all those things, that somewhere somebody in there knows this stuff that Eli is saying. They know that by sheer force, they can't lock things down. They know some of those things. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? How are Ooh. they going to, because you got to assume that the deep state is going to engage in the same psychological warfare. Oh, right? they already are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what are they going to do? How are they going to counter some of this to try to keep, because uh, essentially what the most important thing to them is to try to keep both the American people, soldiers, police, whoever, as much on their side as they can. Mm-hmm. right yeah th- i mean do you think false flag attacks i mean do well, we put that past our government put nothing past them they already control 90 percent of the media anyway mm-hmm. they'll put out whatever they want and there's a certain right. percentage of the population that will buy that hook line and sinker never look into it anymore and just say oh these people are terrible then you right. got your other percentage in the middle that could go either way depending on whether they can harness enough rational thought and look at it critically and then you got the other side the far other end that are just like the government sucks, which who knows? I think they could attempt declaring martial law. Yeah. I thought about that. I think it would probably end up being a state of emergency. The difference being, Oh, okay. What's that the it, with martial law, you actually turn power over to the military with okay. a state of emergency. You essentially suspend a bunch of 
rights and a bunch, but the government still keeps go. control. If that makes sense, that's yes. it's it's, a, it's maybe that somewhat of a fine difference, but you know oh, what I mean. It's that's a significant I mean. difference in what they can do and what they can't do. Yeah. Okay, Todd, what did you call it? You called it red red flag bombings. What is that? Well, what I said was false false flags. Flag. False flags. In, in okay. other words, I, I wonder. Wouldn't you suspect that if you're the deep state, that oh, the deep goodness. state would start blowing up supermarkets and everything else to blame it on the insurrectionists? Absolutely. I mean, oh. I just don't you think that's what they would yeah. do? And everything the media in, and the media oh. will say whatever they want them to I say. I mean, they don't care about people's lives. We know that. No. I mean, they blame Putin for blowing up Nord Stream 2, his own pipeline initially. Okay. I mean, that's some of the ludicrousness that the government's capable of now back in Todd's world. Um, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to think that because I slip into a little carryism where I want to think, oh, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. I know. We so are what? in Todd's world. I'm not talking yeah. about in, in the real Todd's world, world, but I'm saying yeah. in Todd's world, because the deep state and the government are going to have to respond. You know, th- this whole thing is going back and forth and they mm-hmm. know some of those logistical things as well or better than everybody They'll else. They'll do whatever it takes to get mm-hmm. people on their side. And yeah. if that's a ferocious bombing somewhere that would do that, then they'll do it. I would assume, but man, that sucks. Yeah, it does suck. I'm, I'm afraid of Ooh. that. Specifically afraid of that. That's heavy, even in Todd's world. But I, I can't imagine the deep state not doing it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't, they're, they're going to want to paint this mm-hmm. and, and they have an entire media apparatus at their disposal. Yeah. And and the full force and might of the government and, and whatever credibility is still with that and everybody. And the fact that deep down nobody really wants a war. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. yeah. Like you said, people don't want their lives to change. Regular people on the street who don't know anything, you know, about these two forces operating behind the scenes, they don't want their lives to change either. Nobody wants right. to live through that. Yep. So it's going to be, it's going to be wild. I think it could get yeah. real bad Yeah. or, well, I think it will get real bad. An insurrection right. would get real bad. I don't think we are really going to be, have to become a support group here. Yeah. And I have to get better at these disclaimers. At the end of this episode, <laughs> I just, in my mind, it went, dun, 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 because I went off in the helicopter. That was and so, good. so we have a down uh, plot building episode. And next I'm like, oh, we'll see where it goes now. Because it's excited. it's hanging on the precipice there as that helicopter flew away of like it's gonna ramp up again. Well, just but just before that, uh when it says Jake stared out into the distance, you've <laughs> opened Pandora's box, he said finally. And I I just thought now he goes into you can try to target your strikes, the collateral damage is gonna happen, you know, the whole thing. But just that line, I think that's true. I think that mm-hmm. that they've opened Pandora's box. And I think so too. They have no idea. I, I mean, Jake, Jake, you can already see in Jake that he, he, it's not that he doesn't buy into Eli and the whole thing, but he doesn't buy into the fact that Eli can control everything Eli thinks he can control. Yeah. He's looking at the big picture and thinks, uh, I don't know if you can pull this off. I got to get off this hilltop alive, but man, this is going to be a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and, I heard, I heard the dun 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 when uh, he said they flew off into the gathering gloom. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Right. I mean, <laughs> or I have plans for you, Jake Gunn. I saw a pause and the camera zoomed in on Jake's face when he's like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I see this fun. 
I see this, uh, these episodes on TV when I'm listening to him, like I picture things like that, like his reaction, I add things into it that aren't there, but I guess that's what you would do with a good story. Who's Jay Gunn look like when you're watching him Mm. or Eli, Uh, who's Eli look like Jake looks like Colin Farrell. Well, ish, ish, maybe a little more Weasley thinner. (laughs) I already told you who Eli is. He's who was uh, Eli again? Oh yeah, you said Saul Berenson. Oh yeah, that's not a bad. That's not bad. That's a good one. Homeland did such a good job developing his character too that you had yes. both the hardness, the softness. You know the the whole thing. And that was such a great show. God, I love that show. It was good. I tried to get Kate to start watching it over with me last night. She wouldn't. I don't know why. Probably because she's hmm. 15, wanted to watch Taylor Swift or something stupid. Who knows? Yeah, Outer Banks. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I'm, so I'm excited. I think that we are, uh, and I did thank people in the, in the introduction to the show. You know, this is the first show that anybody who's listening is subscribing, and I, I want to thank people for that. You know, it means a lot that you care enough to support us and buy at least one of us a beer. Every month we have to split it, <laughs> but, but, but I really appreciate it. Uh, I am going to do my best to make sure that you feel like this is the best bargain you ever got in your life. They can invest, uh, they can stay involved in this complete story mm-hmm. for half of what Eli spent on silver bullets in this episode. That's true. I mean, four <laughs> silver bullets. <laughs> That's more than half a six pack, but cheap for a whole month's worth. Eight yeah. episodes. You get to hang for with less than four silver bullets. <laughs> what I'm really looking forward to is is as people get invested more, we get more interaction comments because mm-hmm. because that's what I think, and that's why I tell people. I think Will's point last week was really good to uh, find five people and tell them about the show. I find everybody who listens to the show for the most part seems to really love it and really enjoy it. It's just a matter of it's a little different and there's so much noise out there that to try to get it out is just to try to get traction. And so to the extent that you guys can help us, I appreciate that. And I'm, I am looking forward to spending the next 10 years with insurrection with Eli and all of them. I I don't know. I don't know how long it'll go, but I can tell you that in, the first season we're going to deal with like a total of two weeks. So I feel like it could go on for a while. Right. Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Interesting. Uh, I, I hope we get some comments on this episode and this podcast to give I us some insight so on what people are thinking and what they're doing. And don't be afraid to throw it on there. You got to tell your look, friends about it. I can tell you where, where I'm at is Todd's world, 2023 on, on Twitter. I'm probably the most active. And then on Facebook and Instagram, uh, I'll drop clips and stuff too. And then on truth social, it's at the, the Todd Allen show. And then on Substack, it's Todd's world. Uh, do you guys have any of your own stuff that you want to promote or no, you're not, you're not out there wanting to be negative ghost writer. <laughs> we get you your own <laughs> will will's own Instagram with Todd's world. So people can talk to you negative. Not, not yet. <laughs> okay. I added not podcast yet. sidekick to one of my social media. Well, oh, you're getting there, bios. right? I so, don't do any social media whatsoever, so it would be it'd be a <laughs> vast, vast learning curve for me. But I'm not a big social media fan, but I have decided that that's part of the deal. 
So you have no part, choice. It is part of this deal. It helps. It helps to spread the word about this easily. I like it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, guys, get a hold of us. Can't wait till next week. Lauren will be back. I'm sure she'll be over her sickness. I hope and so. I hope so. She'll be back, and it's going to be fun. So I thought I thought this was a great episode. Uh, you know, just built so much that that we learned about group Alamo and the thinking of Eli and everything else. And then it still ends with a helicopter taking off. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? That's our ride. <laughs> it's still I love that. fun, right? <laughs> yeah. So, R.I.P. Rush. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us today. We're out. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for having us, Todd.